0: In a world of EMS podcasters, EMS Office Hours is the only live podcast bringing you the latest topics and opinions in EMS. Turn down your scanner and turn up your speakers as we join Jim Hoffman and Josh Knapp on their latest EMS podcasting journey.
1: All right, good morning, everybody. I am Jim Hoffman. And I'm Dave Brennan. And we're waiting for the timely arrival of Josh Knapp if and ever he decides to pop in um, while we're waiting just want to remind everybody to please go ahead and like this on iTunes like it on Facebook or YouTube wherever you're seeing it let us know that you are getting this content that you're seeing it that you're engaging with us and of course always feel free to uh, send me suggestions for topics you might want to see here on the show and what you think um, might benefit other providers should they see it. So um, Dave, I did send you a, is Josh texting me? No, okay. Dave, I did send you a, uh, you and Josh both a couple of like kind of rough topics um, for today. And one of the things that I thought since Josh is not here, something that you and I could probably just tackle while we're waiting. Um, and if he pops in, of course, he'll chime in on that. But one of we can where, take
0: a break from bad mouth and Josh. Right. right. I mean, take, a, take a breather. <laughs>
1: yeah. uh, was this thing of um, what they, you might've heard it or, or, or seen these sort of self-taught EMS programs. Mm. Um I know when I went to med school, the 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 rumor was the class, the program that I chose was a self taught EMS program. Even though we had instructors and and went to class every day and all Was well, that, that in
0: spite of the instructors?
1: I I don't know. I guess that the instructors didn't have very good uh, track record, you know, with their oh. thing. I mean, and and there were elements of the class that I felt I had to do a little more on my own than what they were providing. But, uh, you know, being part of, you know, that whole deal, I, I kind of figured that was going to be part of the course. And Josh is here.
0: Hi, guys. Hi, hey, Josh. Josh. So, we're on the air, Josh.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. and I didn't even bring my coffee into the room. So oh, I'm my God. How are you going to survive?
1: So, reason do do why I'm asking, Dave, because I have a – um a few of the coaching people that I have joined me on Turbo Medic. Uh, One of the more recent people that joined is in an online-only uh, uh, paramedic class.
0: My condolences.
1: Oh, Lord. How do and you do that? He's struggling a little bit, you know, because of the fact that there's not a lot of immediate engagement when he's, you know, listening to the lectures. A lot of it is recorded. He can go back and watch them again. You know, but he feels that a lot of it, he does not get the engagement that, you know, he should be, you know, he'd like to have uh for it. And sometimes the, the exams or quizzes for that relate to that topic, some of the content's not being covered, things like that. And I, I'm wondering if this is a common sort of thread when it comes to these types of you know, online programs. Uh, I know there's a, there's a few of them out there that 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 do that. Um, but I'm wondering if this is a common thread, if it's really the individual that is more the issue than the program itself. You know, because you've seen the, uh, you know, the Phoenix stuff online, right? The, the, and people do a lot of the, you know, get their, their college degrees. They get like, doctorates you know. online. Yeah. So I'm wondering if, if it's the individual that I want to say the issue is that's the issue or if it's the program itself, that's the issue. Or maybe the people that take some of these classes don't expect it to be as difficult because you don't have that engagement. You know what I mean? So I'm just wondering your guys take on that. Um, what you feel, you know, tips for people that get into it, maybe and don't really know what to do once they're you know knee deep in the in the muck of it you know
0: right well you know i gotta tell you something before i would lay down seven eight nine ten thousand dollars for something which is what these programs cost yeah um i would be pretty darn sure you know uh that i put as much time into that as i did when looking for a car you know, mm. researching it as much as I can, um, and seeing if it was a good fit for me. I think that these programs are are not a good fit for most people. For most, um, I think that I, that's just my humble opinion. No, and,
2: Dave, I have a sort of a, a qualifying question. When you say uh, for most people, what type of programs are you talking about?
0: EMP paramedic.
2: Okay. All right, so we're you know because in a broad spectrum, sometimes online is all you need. Sometimes online
0: is all you need, usually for short, simple things. You know, and one
2: where you don't have changing your headlights,
0: changing the bulb in your headlights for the Honda nineteen, yeah, (laughs) nineteen ninety seven. Boy, that stuff is great. I love that stuff.
1: What about like well, but then the thing is, is that what about the other side of that where you've got you know people I mean I knew medics that went did the whole online nursing program and then yeah. they went and tested out you know the, the skills part of it and well, they were successful.
0: Getting a credential is not the same thing as having a good background in something. The credential is the lowest level one can operate at and still be credentialed in that jurisdiction. even getting the highest grade, on, on those kind of credentials, you know, I, I'm pretty good with good tech. I'm a pretty good test taker. I'm pretty sure I could sit through and, and, uh, and get through a, uh, some of the stuff that's online that I'm not directly involved with and, and get a good grade, but that it's not what I want to be.
2: Right.
0: Um, and, and there's another, it's also not how I learn the best. And we just uh,
2: sort of glossed over the other aspect is you get the credential. Most organizations require sort of a probationary period where you are getting additional instruction, where you're getting the finesse of, okay, this is how you do it, but this is how we do it. And the additional training uh, that fills in the gaps in, uh, because you can credential, and you, you can pass, you know, I, I, whatever the pass rate is, there's still a, a 10, 20 percent, 30 percent that you could completely get wrong and still get your credential.
0: I, I know students. There is a <clears throat> there is a nearly uh, independent study paramedic program in my in my vicinity. There's also a, uh, a completely online, except for uh, skills and, uh, and um, rotations uh, program nationally, I believe in New Hampshire. It's out of New Hampshire, but it's, it's national. You get nationally registered. If you need a local credential, uh, you can get that. Most places are very happy with the national registry. Um, it's, it's certainly not the, um, it's not the thing that I would like. And I will tell you, uh, as as well, there's also a. Um, I don't want to I don't want to name um, a core sponsor directly, but there is a credential um, in New York State called uh, EMT Critical Care, which is um, which is be- between EMT and paramedic. It's it's above what the AEMT is because they get a load. Uh, they can do almost everything medically with more medical control intervention that a paramedic can do. Okay, they have less standing orders, uh, uh, much more um, conservative uh, drugs that they can administer on their own uh, quantities. But they can they can almost do everything that a paramedic does. I know I was I was at that level until they had the paramedic program out by me. But having said that, there is a bridge program that allows them to go from EMTCC to paramedic, which is predominantly online. And I will tell you that the people who take it are thrilled to become paramedics, uh, and they are uh, when they talk to me. They're profoundly disheartened with their educational experience. Um, yeah. And even the people that take the full paramedic class that way are profoundly disheartened with their educational experience. Um, that I've you know that I've spoken to. I I know. Uh, listen, I know of a fellow who's an EMT that I work with, he's he's brilliant. He's a physicist. He, you know, he's just he's just brilliant. He decided to teach himself EKG and he did. And he and he did a good job of it. And he took my 12 lead class and he's sitting in the class and you know all the questions on vectors. I mean, that's physics. It's physics, uh, vectors and axis. And he's answering those questions and people are saying, you know, is he a medic? Is he is he a doctor? And and I, I was just, I was just loving it saying, yeah, no, he's, he's an EMT. Uh, he's an EMT now for almost a year and he was kicking everybody's butt, but he's the exception. He, yeah. He really but is.
2: also look at the background when you want to, I, I mean, I, in defense I, of him, he is, when you beca- get that level of mathematics and science, you have yeah, done an insane amount of book learning on your own.
0: That very possibly it you know he he wasn't screened for an e m t class you know he didn't take the the uh the to make sure that they had that he had an eighth grade reading level or whatever level they're looking at now for e m t class and and even what they're looking for paramedic is is pathetically low for for mathematics and so, it shows when they become
1: so know, let me ask you so I, um, I mean it sounds like and and i think what I said already that that pretty much it it depends upon the individual and how they learn and how they can process the uh, the enormous amount of content they're going to get in a class like that. So, I mean, what I told the person they were asking me some some I you know some ideas, and one of the first thing I said to him was to try to really figure out the best way that they can learn. You know, what's the best way that they can taking the information is it through the videos is it the reading is it through a combination of the two maybe it's through audio you know while they're in their car and then reinforcing it with the video or reinforcing what they read with the audio whatever combination it is to figure it out so that they're not wasting time you know uh, uh going round and around in circles and getting frustrated that they're not uh grasping a lot of the content
0: there's an opportunity that they all have. I don't think they know it. First of all, I think the course sponsor needs to be transparent and saying, "Wow, if you thought this was a great idea, it's probably not a great idea for most of you. Hmm. Probably a good idea for some of you." But here's here's what you can do: there are free, free college level online courses that you can take. I'm not talking classes, courses that you can take. You want to you want to find out if you should be able to do this uh, in the paramedic program, go take the first online course in anatomy and physiology at a college level. Uh, they're available free. They're available free. You can get, you can get history online. You can get almost anything online college level, because quite frankly, paramedic class is college level. Anybody who thinks it's not just probably hasn't been in college or, 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 or just has a low opinion of, of what paramedics do. I, I know it. I know anatomy and physiology. I, I took it in college. Uh, of course, back then, uh, most of us walked red in our knuckles on the ground, but, um, um, it, it, it was, an, it's, it is a college level class. And if you, if you can take that online and take a test at the end and do well, then you have the attention to take a three-hour class online, a course online, do the independent study it takes to do. And listen, when somebody says to me, you know, you didn't cover it in the lecture, quite frankly, even when you attend the lecture, your job is to read the book. Sure. Read the book, study the book, engage. And if you have questions about what's in the book and I didn't cover it in class, your job is to ask me.
2: Now, what does it say to you Dave, when somebody can basically cruise through a class, a, a lecture program like paramedicine and never crack a book, is that, I mean, what does that tell you about the design of the program?
0: It, it could be some, some people don't need to crack books. Just saying. Right. Uh, I, I, I don't know the details of the, uh, of the course. I don't know. Again. It depends upon who. Listen, I in my paramedic class, I had a dentist in my class. He was a student there with me. He he, he didn't have a hard time on 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 almost all of it, you know. Yeah. Right. O- although he did cardiovert people through the mouth, but but other than that, <laughs> well, uh, but then what <laughs> that, is that? Right. Part's a joke. Uh, I it's, know it's a spinoff of another joke, which I'm not going to tell. But um, but uh. Well, but I mean, he, like, no, he like, was. I, I had a dentist in the class. I mean, I I,
2: yeah. I, I've, I, I just wanted to. Like that said, brings you know, me to that 70, 80% rule. You know, with a dentist, he's going to have 80% of what paramedicine teaches because he already has the medicine. But there's that, then he's, he, and, and that might have that overlap with other students who the 78% don't get the medicine, but get some of the other aspects, the important aspects of being a paramedic. When you're, when you're, I'm, I'm addressing, or I'm talking about, you know, the gaps and what we, and and I guess to better verbalize is to say that any meta, any program that we have is going to have gaps. But the idea is, is to get somebody through that program with as small as ga- a small gap as possible, right? In in knowledge, <laughs>
0: Just, yeah, yeah. I was absolutely. listening to how
2: that sounded, but gaps in knowledge,
0: yeah, and Not skills. Like
2: what, right? Uh, well, skills, you know, are how do you teach skills online?
0: You, you can you don't, teach it, but the skills are. These programs have skill testing. They have in person. All exactly. all the ones I know of have right. in-person like a two-week intensive or yeah. or one-week intensive uh, experience. Plus, yeah. for the paramedic programs, they all have to do clinical rotations. That's just required. They have so to find their know, own hospital that'll let we them all run. know the gold standard
2: in some of these paramedic programs. I mean, I remember uh, guys telling me that when they were going through anatomy and phys uh, and then uh, had to learn to intubate, and to intubate a baby, you know, they actually practiced on cats, which uh, we can talk about, you know, the, the ethics of practicing on live animals uh, versus people. But the, you know, that was considered the apex. When I went to my critical care class, I know critical care medics that never, could, never worked in the cadaver lab. And to me the the cadaver lab was this unbelievable eye-opening experience to anatomy and, sure. and and how our interventions work or don't if if done incorrectly and and then the na- and then of course in the good cadaver lab they bring you to the next level we were doing chest tubes and 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 etc but, sure. Uh, that that's stuff that we'd never do on the in the field, but it gives us and that. And you didn't level practice that stuff on each other either. Uh, well, you know, there was one guy, he, but he he stopped complaining after. One guy to held still long enough yeah. to get a hold of him.
0: You know, yeah. it, it, it's uh, it's interesting. One of the uh, one of our viewers um, attributes part of the problem to the uh, the poorer education some of the students may have coming into our program. I I I I'll say this. Listen, uh, uh, for paramedic classes, we should be screening. We should be screening hard. We should be screening hard. We should know what works uh, as far as a screen. They're they're often not just reading scores, um, or math scores, or even EMT scores. Although all of that is important, Uh, I can tell you that forever. I remember reading a comment where where you have one person complaining to another about the. the attitudes of adolescence and how uh, it's the fall of society. And it was, and it was like Euclid talking to Archimedes or something like that. You know, uh, adults have always been, been complaining about the next coming generation. Um, but, I wonder how many un-
2: understand that reference, Dave, without having to Google it. Mm. Mm. You know, I mean, there, there's this, uh, this we can't, Complete. I I absolutely got to remember
0: Archimedes and Euclid were my my compatriots. They were, we went to school together.
2: Yeah, weren't you (laughs) ahead of
0: (laughs) class ahead? (laughs) I'm glad I was ahead of Euclid because he made so much more math for everybody. He was a
2: pain in the ass with the
0: angles and the stuff. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Archimedes Um, just kept screwing around. Oh. Before we, before we get
1: too, he to, wanted it, to take baths all the time. I didn't. We get too much that. into the show, I wanted to talk about one other thing, because I know that this is probably going to take up, I'm imagining a bulk of the, the time, um, and this is there's been some articles about it because of this, uh, death of this firefighter who was in a training evolution, and he was saying that he couldn't breathe, he wanted help, and they ignored him. Um, thinking because he could say, "I can't breathe," he could say those words that he wasn't having difficulty. But you know the whole thing, you can speak in a full sentence. If you can say, "I can't breathe," you can breathe, type thing. Aye, and aye. I see Dave's already holding his head. And you know, and you know now that the this whole thing is coming to play of of I think there's an element. I mean, listen, this evolution, is this whole firefighter thing is like a kind of a separate issue, but I've seen many, many times where you get patients who will say, I can't breathe and the ENT or paramedic kind of blow it off because I think, okay, well, you can, you can speak, you know, enough to to say that you can breathe without doing like an, an assessment, without getting a history, without figuring out maybe what's going on, you know, doing some vital signs, things like that. They just... Or what I, you think, because they, they can speak, that they can breathe.
0: You know, I've never had a patient say to me, "Help me, I'm hypoxic, I have hypoxemia, <laughs> I'm hypercapnic." <laughs> They've never said that. Wow.
2: So how did you know how to treat them, Dave? But I, I I'm,
0: you know, and my sarcasm but my, should but the be The
1: question noted. is, though, too. I, I, you need is, to go to is, school
0: is before the... you can tell me you can't breathe.
1: Uh, the the thing is, though, is that I think a lot of providers out there, a lot of people that work in the street 911 tend to experience a very large percentage of people who will say, I can't breathe, as a way to get 911 there, as a way to feel that this is what's going to get them on the ambulance faster, into the ER faster. And people get, you know, providers like, you know, EMS providers like anybody else, any other industry. When you're hearing the same thing and it's not, it's a cry wolf type thing, right? Oh, you always go crying wolf and then people get very numb to that complaint. So, Dave, you know, uh, visibly sick, you know, sick
2: not to visibly sick, right. you kind of blow it off. I meant Jim, Jim. When I, I, though, I'm, I, I want to sort of put like, um, put some, uh, color onto that in the sense that, um, Perhaps it's not a premeditated. Oh, I'm going to get an ambulance quicker if I say this, because generally our patients who call nine one one don't know the triage that occurs in dispatch. But uh, some of them do. And sometimes Unless they it's call nine one
1: one more than once. Then they well,
2: know. well, but there's also the aspect that you know we have a system that sometimes asks leading questions. It's not just tell me your uh uh your your symptoms. It's sir ma'am, do you have chest pain? Well, you know yeah sure. How many of us walk around walk around? Yeah, my my chest hurts. You know well he was doing three hundred pound bench presses the day before. Um, You know, are you having problems breathing? Well, you know I have a stuffed nose, so that's a problem breathing. So I think there's a combination of how we filter out these calls and designate and triage these well, calls. Josh, you're, I think you're, you're, you're right
1: in a lot of ways. You think about the, the how many calls do we get for dispatch for difficulty breathing or chest pain, you get there. And that's kind of the last thing that's really going on with the patient. Right. Right. And you get, and then, and that's part of, I think of the issue of, of kind of getting numb to those types of, those types of uh, of complaints it's almost like i think it's you know bs until proven otherwise you know hmm. um and and people get numb to it you know and it, it's not it's not the right thing to do it's not the the,
2: the right way to approach patients
1: no but, but that correlates to the firefighter
2: it. what's that that correlates to the firefighter then doesn't it you you know there's could be a, you, uh, without being actually on scene and seeing everything reading through an article, which is, you know, like a third person account of a story that's written with very specific aspects of it included and and other aspects not included. You know, we all know that in some of these training uh, situations, there becomes a pecking order in the class. There becomes the guy who's holding everybody holding everybody back or the person who does better than everybody else for the opposite side of that. And, you know, there, there could have been a lot of factors, you know, that created that perfect storm of a proper addressing of this person's complaints. Mm hmm. You know, uh, oh, I'm having hard. Well, we just ran up three flights of stairs with eighty pounds. Right, of, and you right, got a mask on. You know, exactly. yeah, and you got a mask on. Oh, yeah. you just gotta. You know, it, it's it's a little bit of that. Um, uh, uh ah, <laughs> as I blank on the word. Uh, it's a it's a the claustrophobia that when you put on SCBA, you know that many people experience. You know, I was taught, you know, I'm a hazmat tech. I was taught to by a really experienced guy. He said, because I was burning through my tanks and I, and I, and I thought I was breathing regular. And what he said to me, he said, it's very hard to concentrate on what you're doing while you have this equipment on and breathe normally. So you want a subconscious way to breathe normally, hum to yourself, take, take, Take some tune and just hum it to yourself, which annoyed the people around me. But lo and behold, all of a sudden, uh, yeah, but I was lasting a good half to three quarters longer than anybody else because I was using that breathing control method.
0: Hmm. He said, hmm, hmm, breathing control Hmm.
2: just breathe control. I
0: have, I can't breathe. I want to go back. I want to go back. And, and for the most part, Jim, I think what we should, what we should come away saying that that doesn't mean we're all going to come away saying this. So when a person tells you they have difficulty breathing, they have difficulty breathing and you believe it until proven otherwise. And we're never going to prove it. We're not going to prove it. When they tell you have chest pain, they have chest pain. Believe them. Now, that's what I teach. That's what I believe. That's how I behave. Now, the place where symptoms, simp- where you only have symptoms, causes more of a complication is not the chest pain. Everybody everybody I treat with chest pain gets aspirin, unless they're allergic to it. They all get a 12 lead. None of them are asked to walk. None of them are asked to carry me out to the ambulance because I'm tired I walked up the stairs. None of them. They all get treated like they're having... Uh, an MI, every single one of the same thing with the diff breathers, the place, the place we find ourselves more in an issue. And I think we've been there and discussed it is when the person says, I have pain, I have pain. I need painkillers. And yes, I am allergic to acetaminophen, aspirin, ibuprofen, um, <laughs> and um, Toradol. Toradol. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, that's a place where we can, we may run into a problem. Um, and of course, cold packs don't it doesn't touch me. So um, I think maybe maybe that's a better area to talk about just straight up symptoms. On the other hand, all of the others are emergencies to me till proven otherwise. all of them, all every single one of them.
2: you know and, I, I... and
0: if I'm wrong when I get to the hospital and I get there and the triage nurse rolls their eyes at me, and the doctor looks at me like, "Can't you do this guy's been here thirty times for this? He just needs a meal." So, and my response is, "Just feed him, just feed him." Then.
1: Well, the thing is, is, is I, I, I I I I agree with you, Dave. The patient complains of it. You're going to do the twelve lead. You're going to give aspirin. You know, for the for the chest pain patients. And, with and with
0: the highest level of respect that I I can muster, which no, is really damn high.
2: Let's not get crazy
0: no. No, that's where I am. So.
2: But you know that sort of bring that 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 reminds me of the uh, you know when you talk about pain, it's you get you get to uh, a trip and fall. I I I, small... I don't
0: I, I I I was thinking of not even bringing that up because that's that's a rabbit hole we're going to get stuck in. So d- okay. d- why don't we save pain for another day? How's that? Just, Let's move on. Just, that sounds yeah, good. Because, but but chest pain. I'm going to treat no, you for it. You have to. And, and, and you can ask anybody I work with the first words out of my mouth and my demeanor all the way through is my name is Dave. I'm a paramedic. I'm going to take really good care of you and I'm there to prove it. And I, I do my best all the way through, you know, I I did the 12 lead. How is the 12 lead? It's non-diagnostic. That's the best you're going to get from me. You know, I never tell them it's normal. And I said, "I'm, I'm still worried about your heart. I tell them all the stuff I know, and we we keep. It only takes five minutes for me to tell them all I know, but um, yeah. But we, you know, we move on. I and, and, and I do that hardest. all the way to the hospital. And how many people that were having serious chest problems had unremarkable twelve lead EKGs, right? And not pale, cool, diaphoretic,
1: and STEMI. Well, this is why, like you said earlier, Dave. You have to you do the twelve lead. You give the aspirin, and you you know you treat it.
0: And provide respect and support. I way.
1: think I think what ends up is not with the respect already, enough.
0: <laughs>
1: it. No, I, I mean I, I I just feel like like I said, I, I think and some of the articles that I've 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 read about this issue and, and how it's kind of relaying, you know, uh, reflect on EMS and mainly the comments that I've seen are people who have this thing of, yes, I want to treat it as a difficulty breathing. I'm going to take it seriously. But I feel that there are that, you know, the, the, the issue becomes that, you know, people get very numb and desensitive to the fact that so many people say it, you know, oh, I have chest pain. Oh, I can't breathe. Oh, I'm dizzy. All the little things that they say, because of the thing that Josh mentioned earlier, right? They get on the phone with the dispatcher, the dispatchers, and a lot of times, and, and you know, coaching them to, to you know, say the thing that the the caller thinks they want to hear to get the ambulance there. You know, that's like you know, when you're a paramedic and you got the you know you 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 you, you it to the EMT in the back of the ambulance and all the way to the hospital, and all you're hearing back in the back going, "You sure you don't have chest pain?" Are you positive enough chest pain? No chest pain. The front of the pitcher goes, yeah, sure, I got chest pain. Hey, Jim, you got to come back here. He's got chest pain now. You know? And it's, it's that, that that type of thing where you're, you're coaching You know, the – the, the maybe maybe that. Jim, Another you know how to discussion. work that
2: call. Jim. I'm sorry, Dave. You, I'm Jim, you know how that- you
0: –
2: I was just going to say that how he works the call is to lean back, take that sliding glass and just sh- – Push it to the side. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know, we. I think we should have a discussion about whether or not in a medic EMT partnership, when the paramedic should be driving.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's that's an, another, that's another discussion for sure. Another, I think another episode would be good to talk about that because I've often wanted to to discuss that. Good, but you know,
2: something good. Well, when notice. do you want to discuss it? Not today. Not today. <laughs>
1: i don't have i don't have an ability to keep my anger at that low level today so well you know we're not is, going to agree right what's that we're not going to agree i think we're gonna we're going to Maybe. agree because there was a point that i just gave up okay <laughs> you know um but we'll talk about that later anyway. For today, since I promised the eager listeners uh, the three topics here, and I'm
0: wondering I don't know if you guys eager.
2: I'm not seeing much activity in the chat room here.
0: Because they're waiting for us to say, they're, they're treading on our every word. Right, exactly. Saying something
1: important now. Right, saying something important. No, the, the, the other thing was what's your take on getting into EMS? Do you feel that getting thrown into, let's say, a 911 atmosphere is, is better than starting out of the interfacility type transport? Or do you think sometimes getting into 911 and maybe not getting some big emergency for a while, even though you work in 911, you have that, that white cloud following you around where... You're not really getting any major calls. It's all pretty much you know mundane calls through the 911 system um getting your feet wet on how to use the radio or how to interact with the the hospitals and dispatch your partners all that type of stuff is better than getting thrown into you know a 911 system where it is super busy calls or are, are, you know a majority of the calls are are you know true emergencies Traumas and things like that, you know. Which do you think is better for somebody just coming into to EMS? Because I'll tell you, my my take was was I was an I was an EMT. I was thrown into it as an EMT uh, when I started working nine one one. But I did into facility beforehand, so I knew my way around an ambulance and, and things like that. But I didn't know how you know, the 911 system worked and expected things and I was thrown into, you know, being in Brooklyn, New York and thrown into it, it was quite the eye opener. And even when right. I became a paramedic and, you know, as a paramedic being brand new, I was wondering when am I going to get the big one? And I went, I did, some, I had some CHF patients, things like that, but I went almost two months before I had a cardiac arrest. And when I finally had it. It happened to be my first cardiac arrest as a medic was a pediatric arrest. Ugh. So that was, you know, quite the, you know, throwing into the fire there. But at least I had a few months as a medic, you know, getting lines, you know, uh, dealing with medications and calling medical control and all that type of stuff uh, kind of out of the way under my sort of experience belt. You know what I mean? So I'm just wondering, just real quick, your guys' take on it. What you think might, what you think is beneficial, or do they all have their own pluses and minuses?
2: You know, it. I as I sort of mentioned earlier about some organizations, you know, not just throwing you right in, um, you know, wanting to test you out a little bit and give you the show you the ropes. Uh, my organization had a sort of semi policy it was semi because they didn't always stick to it but they want they sort of threw you on a transport bus first let you you know get your unless you had previous experience they uh threw you on a transport bus first let you get a grasp of the paperwork it was uh certainly at the time that i started transport was a slower pace and I chose to go into 911 afterwards, which was, again, as anybody who does 911, it's an eye-opening experience because you get the the, uh, the randomness between BS and absolute end of the world seriousness. Um, I th- I think that uh, uh, there's I was got you know the first answer that came to mind was we should be doing both. Because there are aspects of the medicine that change for transport and change for 911. There are aspects of the pace. There are aspects of uh, how we interact with our patients that change on both levels, and we should be rounded and do the and do both. The problem with that is that in the uh, in the um, later part of my uh, career, I did transport only because I was was critical care. And um, the way my organization works is we have a system for private emergencies. And what they were doing was they were taking, you know, some incredibly uh, complex transport jobs. And then right after that, just to fill the airtime, They'd give us a private emergency that might be a stubbed toe or might be, uh, uh, you know, abnormal lab results or something along that line. That um, although didn't require as much heavy lifting, filled up your time and didn't allow you sort of that decompression that you need between tough jobs. And so we come down to, you know, sort of the overall management of how. EMS is treated to, you know, we're not, we're, we're not, um, and not to put down factory workers, but we're not just putting a cog on a, on a, uh, you know, device where, uh, we're, we're doing sometimes very high level critical thinking and then, and actions. And then, you know, you need some time to, to slow down after that. Just to sort of regain yourself and keep your edge on, my
0: personal opinion. So, here, here's a thought. Here's a thought. How much of your original EMT and paramedic classes focused on interfacility transports? So, my real question is: Is what were you trained to do? Uh, my EMT class zero on interfacility transports. Yeah, Absolutely I agree with that. Zero um but I will tell you, okay, because of course i started um I started on nine one one I did nine one one except there was a period in my life when uh, shortly after I became a paramedic that I said to myself, Hey, let's see what it's like on the paid inter facility transport side, and I took a gig with a um a big no longer functioning um uh, agency doing it, the facility transports and found myself, you know, thinking, I, you know, I'm a pretty cocky guy. You know, I, I know a lot of stuff and I'm in the back of this ambulance. The good news is I was the third medic. I was the third medic in the back of this ambulance with a guy who was being taken to anybody Eastern Long Island Hospital is like the first aid station out on the North Fork. It has such a low volume. No, it, it has such a low volume that you can't have, 24-7, anything. It used to be you had to knock at the door after 11 o'clock at night to get in, and they would have to wake up the doctor.
2: Okay. The
0: hospital doctor. But we were transporting this guy who was there, who was on a trital drip versus dopamine drip. He was, he was on the list to get a new heart. W- Trying to keep his heart functioning without him going into failure, without him going hypo- hypotensive, without sending his blood pressure through the roof. Oh my gosh, what a terrible, terrible situation. If I'm, I am so happy that I wasn't there. I mean, these were meds that, I mean, I, I understood what trital was, but I had like a Zippo experience with trital dopamine. Hey, I'm great with dopamine. I can do the drips in my head. Didn't need to do the drips in my head. We had an infusion pump, you know, terrific. Um, It was terrifying. Now, having said that, there are certainly lower level interfacility transports, and I don't want to. I don't want to say that every BLS interfacility transport is is just taking somebody from the nursing home to dialysis and back. Those are very, 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 very sick people. They're very sick people. First of all, if you've been in a nursing home, in my you opinion, can, you you're at risk for infection. That's yes, the thing. you're at risk for infection simply being in a nursing home. All right. Uh, going for dialysis, you're at risk for infection, you're at risk for all sorts of electrolyte disorders. And as EMTs, we are not functionally trained to recognize the broad scope of it. And we certainly have little to, to no intervention in our ambulances. And if we're taking people from a, from a somewhat rural nursing home to the 35-mile-away hospital or dialysis clinic, and we are midway between when the when poo happens, we're in big trouble. We're in big trouble. So I, I do think that um, I, I I personally I, I think I would have gone right out of EMS if I started on the interfacility transport. That's not my picture. I I don't think people go into EMS saying, you know what I want to do? I want to do interfacility transports. Some of them might, but I don't think well, that's what they want.
2: And and that was very. That's a very similar. It, not in the sense of your paramedic experience, but I started out as an EMT. I was uh, put on the transport bus, and it was one of the most miserable experiences that I had. I learned the paperwork, but you know, you know the the you, you see some of the worst of what happens at the end of the medical treatment you yeah.
0: know, it's a aspect. lot of end of life stuff.
2: And yes. it's, it's, it's just, it's depressing. It's horrible. You're not doing anything to help the patient other than trying to just keep them comfortable while you move them to a place where they may be abused. They may, you know, whatever happens there, but it, it becomes more of a nightmare scenario. I, so I, 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 I can I, absolutely agree on that. But I there personally
0: are, believe the 911 experience may prepare you to do critical care transports may it gets you started it's your foundation listen you have to take the critical care class I think critical care transports are, are like oh my gosh oh my god first of all I don't want to do pediatric critical care transports I they just they, they if I did them day after day I'd be depressed. I'd be out of that. I, I think I'd be out in a week and a half. I ended
1: up, I ended up, that's one of the reasons I, I quit my full-time gig uh, with when I worked with Josh Works and I was doing like back-to-back pediatric, uh, you know, cancer patients. And I was, I went to the boss. I said, listen, I'm going to go down to per diem because I just can't do it. Put me on the nine on one side per diem because I can't, I just couldn't, I, I had a daughter that was like the same age as the patients I was dealing with. And I said, you know what? I can't do this on a regular basis. You know, the one thing I I just want to touch on two quick things before we wrap it up, guys, and and in relation to this is I've noticed when I first started EMS, a lot of it was the trial by fire type thing. They threw you on a transfer truck. They threw you to 911. And it was like a sink or swim type thing. We eat our young. What's that? We eat our young. Yeah. Over the years, though, agencies that I've worked for, have had a much longer and more thorough training um, in servicing, you know, of the employees when they're coming in, where they ride as a third. They have a lot of classroom time on how, on, on the different equipment, on all the different, uh, you know, uh, ins and outs of doing interfacility. If it was an interfacility company, it was a 911 company, how they worked in 91. Um, and it was a longer, Process, and I think over the years that's happened with a lot of places. You know that they they are definitely, you know, want to, uh, you know, get get the employees more onboarded, on onboarded, onboarded, than you know, waterboarding, just throwing them in, throwing (laughs) them into an ambulance, and you know, here's a here's an IV pump, you know, figure it out type thing. You know what I mean? Um, but, I mean, when, when I worked, you know, with the critical care, you know, at, with, with Josh, where Josh works, and I worked with a medic that was one of the original medics in New York City, and he went to the transfer side, and he taught me a lot on all that stuff. And if it wasn't for him, I would have been super lost when it comes to it. And the other, the last thing I want to kind of mention is, and just, you guys can give me your quick opinion on this, is you know why don't we especially the paramedic level is to have like you've got a flight medic type certification why isn't there something more official for the inter-facility transport you and know what I mean? right,
2: so that they- is that what are you you're talking on the state level or just uh, attainable certifications? Because- just attainable mm-hmm.
1: certifications, like you've got you've got certifications where you have people. Th- this is something I think that a lot of people in EMS, I feel, it should be more of specialization type, you know, certifications out there for geriatrics, you know, for pediatrics, other than pals, you know, uh, courses that not they're going to add a couple of letters to the end of your name, you know but something that you can add to your sort of specialty type thing um and interfacility is one of those and, and not just critical care but just i guess all of the ins and outs of doing interfacility you know transports so that it's not i feel like because there isn't anything that's that makes it special that makes it stand out other than people thinking it's going to be the worst experience of their life if they have to do inter facility transports and, you know, instead of doing 911. And that includes getting even more money doing inter facility transport because there is a hell of a lot more responsibility many, many times with that. You have to know a lot more, especially, like I said, especially the paramedical, you have to know a lot more equipment wise and medication wise and things like that when it comes to taking care of those patients. So
2: you're not talking about programs like UMBC. You know, that sort of define the critical care standard that's used around the country. I mean, is that the type of certification you're talking about? or Well, I I, I guess, but I guess honestly, there's like, you know, so that's the course I went through and they they teach you. uh, they, They go over vents, but they're out of the you know, you may learn you may they may show you three different vents just to you know say hey there's more out there and here are the principles
1: right but
2: they don't they can't teach you the actual functioning of the vent you, you know just like you know just about any paramedic can learn in an infusion pump they're quite honestly they're easier than than figuring out and calculating drips cuz yeah. computer it's computer does it for you oh, right. and there's warnings and everything else and when it's appropriate but you know you can I mean go it's, it's
0: not the warning
2: like but there's not one infusion pump. Yeah, right. It's not that, sir, sir, talk to me. Um, oh, my
0: God, he's in asystole.
2: Well, hopefully, you know, there's some level of I- intervention before that happens. But, you know, sometimes it comes on suddenly. Um, but what, uh, where, where I'm going is the critical care requires that advanced level of support that requires equipment. And there is a lot of equipment companies out there giving you all sorts of different, and there's not a standard between hospitals on that. So, you know, depending on price point and when they were bought and what the purchaser thought you could end up with a half a dozen different things. And where my point is, is that unless you're on that, in that facility on that ambulance, using that equipment, there's, I don't think there's a course in the world that can teach you, you know, all the all the pieces that some you of it have has to, to be
0: personalized to to what you're using. That's for sure. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean that that's the same almost in, in, in every field. Yeah. Uh, you have to know what what's available to you specifically. Hey, I, I just before before we get out of here, um, I, we got we've got this uh, at least one listener I know who was involved in EMS. Uh, down in Florida, you know who you are. Um, you've've you've given us a couple of chats what, what you have any experience with interfacility transport? Just any feedback with that? I, I know you did rescue work, but uh just wanted to see because down in Florida there's a lot of interfacility uh, opportunities. Hey oh, yeah no huh but well, uh, listen i'm gonna I'll
1: re- I'm gonna reach out. Dave and, and yeah, and right, there he goes.
0: Yeah. You know Yeah, that's you. I was talking to you. You're right. And any uh interfacility stuff? Or just uh just nine one one. Like me, I'm just nine one one. Doesn't make us bad guys.
1: <laughs> I'll try if- to reach out I'll try to reach out to William. Maybe we get him on one of the shows. We can talk a little bit about it. I'd love to get his uh, take on some <laughs> things as well, you know. You
2: know Jason Friedman, I think he's down Miami date. All right, let's. <laughs> yeah, you know, just hard to find. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's <sighs> okay. okay. All right, well, let's wrap it up
1: there, guys. Um, like I said, I was, I just some of my thoughts on the end of the facility and getting thrown into, um, you know, the whole,
2: uh, uh thrown into the fire and not even the getting fire, the fire, on really
1: Onboarding going on or anything like that. And, you know, so I, I just want to hear your guys take on it because I just, I got, I started thinking about it and talking about some of my experiences, and other people that I've spoken to and their experiences. And, and I know we had talked about the whole interfacility sort of, making it sort of a flight medic type of, you know, element of EMS where, you know, you can get paid more for doing something like that too. Everything that has to just go right to flight medic, which I'm sure a lot of stuff the flight medics do, the interfacility transport medics do, and they're not, getting, they're not getting paid for it.
2: Well, before they really had a ground transport program, the standard was the flight medic. Yeah. The standard for critical care was the flight medic. So, you know. Yeah. Uh, and now they, the, Quite honestly, the difference between the critical care program and flight medic is a test. Mm.
1: Hmm.
2: So I, I don't know if that's raising the standards or you know just making a, an arbitrary. It's always good line to have a test. Or not.
0: It shows but you know something.
2: At least, yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. All right, guys. Let's end it there. Um, again, I appreciate you guys popping in um and joining uh people that listen and liked and and hearted the the show today i appreciate it uh of course we always want as much engagement as possible i know it's tough everybody's out there busy and it's hard to jump on to uh facebook or youtube and and you know share your thoughts but we always encourage it and uh if you're shy and you don't want to do it online that's cool you can always send me an email at uh J H O F F J Hoff at emsste.com and I'll be sure to uh, get your thoughts and comments and questions here on the show so we can share them with other people that also may be too shy to uh, join in or comment live as well. All right guys, that's it. Uh, Anyone to mention Dave Josh, before we head out?
2: Nope. Hey, no, I'm, guys, I'm looking stay forward.
0: Safe. Yeah, I'm looking forward to next uh, next month going up to the uh, New York State Vital Signs conference. I'm, I'm cool. hoping that things calm down enough here to to have a nicely engaged uh, group of professionals up there.
1: Well, keep us updated I'm, on that, Dave. that. Is that what, what? What? When is that? Is that later in the month or mid-month? That's, that's later in the month. Okay. All right. Um, that's it, guys. As always, I am Jim Hoffman. Josh Schnapp.
0: Yeah. And Dave Brenner.
1: Stay safe.